Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Man, we're so excited about what God wants to do this morning. How many of you read your assigned homework? How many of you forgot about the homework? Hmm. Man, honest people, man, it's a good thing. You know, because if you're lying at church, we got major problems. Um, you know, we're continuing our series on family matters this morning. We're going to look at Proverbs 7. Um, we'll have one more um, series next week uh, to conclude the series of our, uh, our family matters series. But we talked about, we started last week talking about mentorship, that mentorship is just important to be successful in every phase of life. Mentor is a person of experience or a trusted advisor, somebody that you can trust their counsel, somebody that you can lean on, somebody that has more experience than you. But mentoring is something that we never really grow out of. We have to realize that mentor, we always need mentors or, you know, um, you know, there's a scripture that says there is wisdom amongst multiple counsel. So when we're making hard decisions or life-changing decisions, how many of you know sometimes it's important to ask people to gain wisdom. Hey, what's your thoughts on this? Or, hey, will you be praying with me through this? And, you know, to get that counsel and get that direction, you know, that there, there, is, a, there is a wisdom in the multitude of counselors of surrounding yourself with men and women of God that will help you. But as we live life longer, you know, we realize the value of those mentors in our life, those ones who have come alongside of us, that have helped us, that have supported us along the way. This morning, before we jump into some of this content, think about those people in your life that have provided you with the most influence. Why don't you pause and think about it for a minute? You know, who has provided you the most influence? Who has been influential in your life? Man, I hope you can't, I hope you're not this morning like, oh, I don't know, I ain't got nobody. You know, like, could be a parent, could be a, a, a you know, could be a, a, you know, a spiritual father, spiritual mother, a friend, right? Can be anybody. What, what about them has impacted you the most, okay? So now that we've identified someone, what was it specifically that impacted you? Was it the rhythms? Was it their routines? Was it their relationship with the Lord? Was it just they helped you learn how to navigate life? What was it that was influential? And then how would your life be affected without their influence in your life? When we think through all of those things, it's a big deal realizing those people, you know, who have helped us, who have supported us. And, um, you know, I hope that we don't wait. <laughs> if this rubs you wrong, I'm sorry. But like uh, if we wait till somebody's funeral to let them know we appreciate them. I see it all the time. Man, this person has changed my life. They helped me. They supported me. You know, they, 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 they really helped me. You know what? Right now is the time to tell those influential people you appreciate them and you love them. You know, if I'm dead, buried in the grave, it don't matter to me no more. You can reminisce and you can think about it. But those people also need to know that they are impacting your life. Just like you need to know if you're impacting the lives of others. It's kind of that catalyst that helps you keep going, you know, because how many of you know trying to influence others is sometimes difficult and you don't know if it's sticking or not? You hope it's working. You hope it's, you know, it's valuable, but we don't know unless we're told sometimes. So tell those around you that you appreciate them, that they've influenced your life, that they've changed your life and they're making an impact. And, and if you're bold and courageous, ask them and give them permission to continually do it. Right, Because we, sometimes we don't like what we hear, but we need to hear what we hear. Right? Sometimes those who are most influential tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. All right? So before we jump into looking at chapter 7 of Proverbs, this week God has just stirred in my heart the importance of soaking. Now, you may say, Pastor, what are you talking about soaking? So soaking is, is what it is. It, is. it is positioning ourselves in a way that, that, that allows outside conditions to change the condition we're in. How many of this morning hate washing dishes? Any, any dish lovers that love washing dishes? All right, let me, change, let me change your game plan just a minute. Now, I don't hate washing dishes, but I'll tell you what. When I walk up to the sink 
and I find me one of these, all of a sudden I start hate washing dishes because it's caked, it's stuck. Now, if they would have just rinsed it and cleaned it before, scraped off all the trash, got it all nice and clean, I'd have been almost done. But a lot of times our lives look like this plate. There are things that are stuck to our lives and we are working so hard to remove those things. Now, I could do it by elbow grease. I'm strong enough. I could get all of this off. But there is the process of soaking that makes the work of removing things out of our lives that have been stuck for a while just to come off easily. Now, what God wants to do in your life, he wants you to position yourself in his soaking presence this morning. Now, think about it just for a moment. How many of you in your life, you got something that looks like this plate that is stuck to you that you really haven't, had, that you haven't been able to get rid of? But I believe this morning, by the power of God, as we just continue to be in his presence, and we're going to actually practically spend some time soaking in his presence this morning, I believe that if we position ourselves in a soaking posture, all of the things that are stuck will be removed this morning. So when we think about soaking, what it is, uh, it, it's really less about what we do, but more importantly about our position. Because think about it, as I, as I place this plate in this tub, and soaking requires liquid, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour. Got to get it completely under the water for it to truly soak, right? So I allow it to soak for a while. And that soaking, it begins to cover and purify and cleanse all of those things, kind of like the blood of Jesus. It begins to purify and it begins to wash. And then there's this, there's this added ingredient that makes all the things change. The Holy Ghost begins to move and it breaks down. You know, when I put this on here, it really, all the, all the oil and grease, it begins to break through all of those hard things. Now, I know y'all want to see what happens, but we're just going to let that soak for a little while this morning, and then we'll come back to it. But this morning, God wants you to soak in his presence. He wants you to leave change. He doesn't want you to leave like, like you came. I think even right now, you know what you would want to change in your life if it would change. So I want you to think about that as we look through some of this content of Proverbs 7, because we want to see what God wants us to see in this chapter 7, but we're going to get back to an understanding of soaking in his presence in just a moment, okay? What is that dish doing right now? Is it working hard to scrub itself? What is it doing? It's just sitting there. We have to understand what God demands of us sometimes is just being in his presence, soaking in his presence. And when we do that, which we'll see in a moment, that those things will just wash out, all right? So I want to ask you this question as we, as we jump into this chapter. How much time do you actually spend soaking in the presence of God? Every Sunday, Pastor. Sundays don't count. We create an atmosphere and an environment for you to do that. But how much time do you soak in the presence of God outside of Sundays? Right? I want you to know this morning that it is impossible for you to take someone to a place that you have never been. Okay? And you can only lead others into in, in a destination or to a place that you know how to get there. Once you have been cleaned and once you know Jesus, we can give Jesus to others. Right? And it's nothing we do. It's what he does. So I hope this morning that you'll experience something that you can give away. And maybe you'll meet someone today that you can in introduce others to. All right. So let's leave this soaking, you know, in his presence just for a moment. Let's see what Proverbs 7 desires for us to gain wisdom and insight this morning. So Proverbs 7, 1 through 5. So we know that last week was, was how, many, how many of you last week was, it was a hard passage of Scripture looking at chapters 5 and chapter 6. It was dealing with a lot of things. If God hasn't shown you something to deal with in the, in the course of this series, it's time to wake up. <laughs> because there, I know that there are things that God is pinpointing, that God is identifying, that he wants you to deal with. 
Okay, so Proverbs 7, it continues, you know, a father's heart, you know, a continual warning against the adulteress. Okay, so verse 7, I mean, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, My son, keep my words and store up my commands with you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. So what does this say here? Right out of the gate. To stay safe and live, here is what you need to do. Proverbs is like this over and over and over again. It gives you a warning, it gives you a caution, and then it tells you what to do. Now, we know that if we're obedient to what it says, safety, security, we're going to be okay. We will live and not die. Violation of what has been spoken or just not paying attention to it or not doing it, it still is going to affect us. That's what we have to realize. Just because we don't, we can't just kind of plug our ears and be like, la, 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 I don't want to hear what it says. We, we can still be a casualty of not knowing. So that's why wisdom and understanding, it's so important. Incline your ear, pay attention. This is what you must do to live. This is what you must do to be safe. It says, keep my commands, stand guard against these things. It says, keep them as the apple of your eye. So when it's talking about the apple of your eye, that is talking about the pupil part of your eye, which is actually responsible for allowing light in and out of your eye. So when we talk about guarding it, we're to guard and protect the father's teachings in the same way that we guard our eyes, because if we guard our eyes, it will continue to allow us to see and to have spiritual and moral sight. Being spiritually blind and being morally blind is a dangerous thing. Right now, if I told you, stand up, close your eyes, and keep your eyes closed until you make it home. Most of you would never make it home, much less even find your car in the parking lot. So when we walk around blind, we can't see where we're going, even though we should know where we're going, because we've done it over and over again. It's so much better to be spiritually awakened to see where we're going, to understand, to know what is right, to know what is wrong, to avoid all things of evil. Right? Just closing our eyes doesn't sometimes make the situations around us go away. It just makes us blind to the reality that they're there. But God wants us to be spiritually discerning, to know that they are there and do something about that. Do something with that. Allow his power to, to, to work for you, to fight for you, all right? So it says, guard, protect those things so that you'll have spiritual and, mor- and moral sight. So this teaching will continually illuminate the path before you. So, so say, wisdom, you are my sister. Insight, you are my relative. Let it be a part of your life, right? Family members, relatives, sisters, they're part of your life. You know, Samuel got a break. His two sisters went with my sister for a few days. I asked Sam, I said, Samuel, are you going to be bored? He says, nope. I'm not sure. He'd probably, if I cut off the TV, he'd get bored real quick. You know, but those, but you know, it's really, uh, he, he's probably going to realize it in like a day and a half. It's just going to be different without the sisters here, right? It's going to be different without the sisters here. But it says, welcome them in. The sisters are involved in everything. They're in every room. Their clothes are everywhere. Their socks are everywhere. There's no absence of the sisters being around, correct? They're even in your room when you don't want them in your room, jumping on your bed when they ain't supposed to be jumping on the bed. The sisters are everywhere. It says, welcome them in like that. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Say to insight, you are my relative. You know, my in-laws can come over at any time. And they come on in. They're gladly welcomed into my home and into my life, into what I'm doing. All right. So make this teaching, make this insight a part of your life. They will keep you from the forbidden woman and from the adulteress. So in Proverbs 7, 6 through 23, it kind of takes a different route here a little bit. And it begins to communicate a story of seduction. Now, if the, if the warning wasn't enough, here it, it tells you the story of what actually happened to an inexperienced, simple-minded young man. 
Now, let me pause here because yeah, I was talking to the young adults. They were like, well, it's for guys and girls too. This ain't just a guy-girl thing. Like, it is. It can come from either direction. The one that can be, you know, the adulterous person can be male or can be female. It just uses it in the female wording, right, you know, in the passage. But understand, this can go two ways. But here's, here's what it says in verse 6. It starts out, it says, At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, so that word simple means inexperienced, unlearned, lack of sense, naive. But I saw among the simple, and I noticed a young man, a, yo, a youth who had no sense. Now, let me pause there just for a minute. I know the nature of a young person or a youth. We think we, fig- we got it all figured out. When in reality, maybe we are missing a lot more than we think. Because it says simple-minded, lacking sense, naive. But there is something specific about, I noticed among the young men, a youth that had no sense. How many of you you were that youth with no sense? And then at some point you came to your senses and therefore you gained sense. Right? Because you don't realize you don't got it till you realize you don't got it because you needed it and didn't have it and it got you to where you were. Right? So it is better to stop and help before they get in a really, really bad spot. But this was the situation. It was a young man, a youth who had no sense. Verse 8, he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. Verse 9, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, I want you to look at a slide because it really explains what we're talking about. If we are going down the wrong street in the wrong location at the wrong time of day, it's going to cause us problems. We can't do that and expect, wow, we're going to have great results here, right? Because we we can be traveling in, in, in a place down a road where we should never be. Now, I think deep down... I don't know if you've ever been, you know, me and, me and my wife just got back from New Orleans. There are some sketchy places in New Orleans. Are you walking around? You're like, holy ghost. Like, I hope I come back to pastor a church. Like, it's, it's rough areas. You know, homeless, you know, places. It, some of it's really dingy and dirty and it's not really, I mean, it looks good at night and then you turn the lights on and it's filthy around you and you're like, Right? There's some rough places you can be. You can, you can be down the wrong road. I think deep down, a lot of us know when we are in a sketchy place where we shouldn't be. Right? But those who are knowing and those who are wise, you got to pretend you're somewhere you're not. You got to be like, oh, I'm just going to pretend it's okay to be down this wrong street. And I'm going to go to the wrong location. Like, once you know, there's no excuse. For some of you young people in the room, there may be excuse, but not after this message. Because you're being informed. You're being educated. Don't go down the wrong street in the wrong location at the wrong time of day. Now, the wrong time of day is the sun is setting and all of those things. I think we think, well, nobody's going to see me over here. I can do get away with it. Nobody's going to notice. What did we talk about? The passage we shared last week it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere looking over the righteous and the wicked, that he sees everything. There's no, no dark alley dark enough that God can't illuminate and see what's going on. But when we're down the wrong street in the wrong location at the wrong time, we are setting ourselves up for catastrophic failure. And we need to proceed with caution. We need to be careful. Right? So then what happened as we continue? Verse 10, Then out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now, in the street, in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. Okay? Now, this right here, you know, sexual immorality is personified here as a woman on the prowl. But we have to be careful. We have to be vigilant. 1 Peter 5 5, 8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around. Okay, so hold on just a second. You understand that she prowls around. She's looking for someone to devour. This really seems like the nature of the devil. He's slyly, he's secretively, he's manipulating and swaying and enticing. Same exact nature. Now, I want to challenge you. It may not just be a woman or a man that deceives you or distracts you. There can be money, the pride of life. There can be all of these things that he uses 
to sway you. But what does this passage say? Be alert, be sober-minded. The enemy, the devil, prowls around, like, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So what does it say? Be of a sound mind. Be able to, to make good judgment calls. This means to be in the right mind and make good choices. Right? Now, I'm not going to get on a soapbox, but I want to make a point here just for a minute. Uh, Being of good sound mind, being able to make good judgment choices. um, This is a good time to communicate, you know, that drugs and alcohol both affect the ability to think and to make sound judgment. Now, I'm not going to preach like, should we drink? Should we not drink? What does the Bible say about drinking? What I am going to focus on is that when we drink or drugs cause our judgment and our thinking to be impaired. And you don't want to make a horrific decision because you have impaired judgment and you have removed the lack to think correctly. See, many people, ah, it's not a big deal, one drink, or hey, just a party scene, it doesn't matter. A lot of people make really stupid choices in the party scene because they have not made good choices. They have dulled their senses to the right way of thinking. And in this swaying, going down the wrong road, being enticed, it has caused us to make horrible choices. But because we've been on the wrong road, in the wrong location, at the wrong time of day, with the wrong kind of people, doing the wrong kind of things. Got to get away from all of those things. Got to stay far away. Don't play with it. Right? So having sound mind, having good judgment, um... And it says all of the family of God is going through these similar things brought on by the pretending roaring lion. You have to understand that the devil, he never stops trying to devour the believers. He is ruthless. He is relentless. He always has an agenda to destroy us. Okay? Verse 13. So she took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face. And she said, today I have fulfilled my vows. And I have food for my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I was looking. Listen to these persuasive words. You know, be be cautious. I looked for you and I have found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Verse 19, and this is where it starts getting real dicey, if you pay attention. My husband is not home. He has gone. You got a husband? Okay, paying attention. Look at the details. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home until full moon. Now, let me tell you what. If a woman comes to meet you, grabs you by the shoulders, and kisses you on the lips, man, that is the time to run. I wasn't looking for you. You're looking for me. It's a bad situation. Any of you ladies come up, grab me by the shoulders, and kiss me on the lips, I'm going to karate kick you and run the other way. It's a bad compromising situation for all of us. But we have to be aware that that is not a moment to entertain it. Oh, it's to run. It's to head for the hills. It's to to get out of Dodge. Don't entertain it. Uh, You were really looking for me? Come on. You're going to take the bait, and it's going to lead you down a road of destruction. It's going to kill you. So understand that this woman came to meet him. Um, But this is a woman that has no sense. She unknowingly takes hold of him and kisses him. And this is an indicator you need to get out of there. What did we talk about last week? It says flee sexual immorality. Don't play with it. Don't touch it. Don't get near it. Run the other way. All right? You have to see past the lies the deception, and the desire to feed on your life. All right? Verse 21, with persuasive words, she led him astray. This story continues to unfold. She seduced him with her smooth talk. By her words, she persuaded, she seduced, led astray. How many of you know, like we talked about last week, that's how Eve was deceived by the slyness of the enemy's words, the appealingness of what he said, but ignorant of real danger, this, this young person was incapable of resistance. He quickly succumbs like, like a beast to be butchered or a criminal in chains. Verse 22, all at once. This means impulsively he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Till the arrows pierces his liver. 
like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. Did you catch that last part? Little knowing, not knowing that it would cost him his life. Now, I think the simple-minded would rationalize and say, it's okay, I was living in the moment. It will cost you your life. I'll tell you what, life is a lot more valuable to me now than it used to be. I didn't know it at the time. Maybe you're young and you feel bulletproof and you feel like, oh, I got a whole life ahead of me to live. Why would you spiritually want to die early? Why would you willfully rob yourself of so many valuable years for a moment of pleasure? And there's many things, there's many things in the world that can entice and can persuade and can, can, can maybe even convince you that it's pleasurable and it's enjoyable, but yet it could cost you your life. Those are the things that we have to be careful for. Proverbs 7, 24 through 27, we, we, it ends with the father's continual warning. Verse 24 says, now then, my son, listen to me. Is this this pack that keeps doing that? See if you see that red light, man, because we need to fix it by next Sunday. That's what's going on. Here, I got everybody shrugging shoulders like, I never had it happen. I'm not touching nothing else. Keep your eyes open. All right. It says, now, now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Uh, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. So it says, guard your heart, protect it. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. So it, her, her road leads to the grave and to death. So we know the father's heart is to protect, to guide, to warn God's heart is that we would avoid all of these things and that we would live in all of the good things that God has for us. The Bible talks about living in, in glory to glory moments, being continually changed into the image of God by exposure to his presence. It's in those presence, in his presence that we're forever changed. I remember when, when I began to spend time in God's presence that it began to change and it formed and it fashioned me. And it was even moments where God spoke to me in a way that I knew who I was going to become. He showed me the giftings and the callings and he says, son, this is how I see you. And it humbled me because I didn't see that man in me. But God saw that man in me and it was in his presence. It was soaking in his presence that I became. And, and God started forming and fashioning and chipping away all of these hard things in my life so I could be the kind of man that God wanted me to be. I want you to know, son and daughter in this room, that's how God sees you. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you. Life is so short. It's so short. But time is one thing we can't get back. You know, talk to many, many people who have a lot of things, maybe a lot of money, a lot of possessions. But one thing that they can't get back is time. You accumulate more money. Most of us that have garage sales often have proven that you can accumulate junk over time. Right? Got to have another garage sale. Got to have another. Quit buying stuff, right? Get rid of it and don't keep buying stuff. Um, but those are the things... God wants to, to, to mark us and to show us who he is. He wants to mold and form and fashion us. So let's get back to this soaking just for a minute because, you know, that's, that's the full part of that chapter. But I want us to focus back to this soaking. I want us to take time soaking in his presence. And I, I want each of us to ind individually first and foremost to, to choose to just position yourself in the presence of God. Right? Sometimes we know that the, the wife is more spiritual or sometimes maybe we feel like the husband is more spiritual. Right now, I want you to focus on your personal relationship with the Lord. Young people in the room, you are not going to get to heaven on the shirt tails of your parents' belief systems. I don't know if I've ever told you the story. I remember the first youth, one of the youth camps I went to that I got saved on. He says, you're not going to make it to heaven based on your parents' Christianity and their relationship with the Lord. And I kind of went, because that was my plan. So mama's, where mama goes, I go. Didn't realize that I had to make that choice for myself. So we're going to take time to personally, individually 
just soak in the presence of the Lord to yield ourselves. Let's look at, I'm going to look at four scripture passages really, really quickly. Hebrews 3.15, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in your rebellion or in the rebellious time. Some of you already, God has begun to speak to you, and you don't know what it is, and you're super uncomfortable, and you say, what is this? I want you to be obedient to what the Spirit of God is leading you to do and what he's asking you to do and what he's calling you towards. Psalms 40, 1 through 3, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see and fear the Lord, and they put their trust in him. He's taken us from such a filthy, ugly place. And he's made beauty out of our rags and ashes. The things we messed up, he turns into beauty in our lives. Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who hope or those who wait for the Lord will have their strength renewed. And then Matthew 5, 6, this is one of my favorite passages. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What are you hungry for? What are you passionate about? I want us to go back to this soaking just for a moment. Remember, we talked about all you have to do in a soaking moment is position yourself. But what God does by his power, he takes us from where we were and he just begins to wash. He begins to rub. And we realize in contrast, I had some first service. I can't see that from the back. I'm going to help you see it from the back. As, be, as, God, as we begin to soak and be, God begins to wash and cleanse, we realize that the person we used to be no longer looks like that today. Now I, could keep, I could keep washing it off and it's going to take off all of those things that were stuck. But how many of you know, the longer we soak, the longer we stay, the more anointing, the more the power of God we're exposed to, the cleaner we become. Now, you know what God does? He cleanses us and he purifies us. But there's a passage in Scripture that says, I will take your heart of stone and I will actually replace it with a brand new one that is soft and sensitive to the things of God. That's what he says. Many of us in this room, I believe, have been working so hard to be right to be good, to cleanse ourselves. In the Old Testament, it was all about that, people doing right things to try to earn righteousness. There's nothing we can do to earn or deserve the free gift of salvation that comes through Jesus. All we can do is say, Lord, here I am, <laughs> good, bad, and ugly, and allow his presence just to saturate you, to cover you, and just... Stay and be in his presence. Soak yourself in his presence. So let me give you some guidance before we move into this soaking moment this morning. So soaking, it's more about you just being still and quiet and patient with what the Lord is doing by the power of his Holy Spirit all around you. It's just being present. Like I said, remember, this plate is just sitting there. Even the washing, the cleansing, the purifying, that's the work that God does. You know, I'm, I don't know how many of you have utilized this automatic car wash in town. I love it. You know what I do? It says, put it in neutral. Don't turn on your windshield wipers and don't hit the brake. Those are all things I want to do, right? I want to hit the brake. I want to turn on the windshield wipers. And, you know, all I do is I just park. And guess what? I just go through the process. And guess what? When I go through that process, guess what happens when I come out the other side? I'm a lot cleaner. If not, I'm going to go get my money back. But I come out way cleaner on the other side than when I started. And that's the whole point. So what do we do this morning? We have to position ourselves. How do we do that? Can you guys stand up with me? First, we have to change what we are hungry and thirsty for. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. What about those that aren't hungry and thirsting for righteousness? Well, they'll be filled. 
but they'd be filled with the wrong things. Can you guys all close your eyes? I want you to listen to what I'm saying. We go ahead and pull the lights down. We're going to get back into a moment of just saturating and soaking ourselves in the presence of God. Jimmy Don, if you got that pad, you can go ahead and pull that into the mix a little bit. But openness, we need to be open and honest before God. Whatever crud or dirt or grit or grime that you brought in, acknowledge that. It's not like God can't fix it, like God can't deal with that, like God doesn't know what to do with that. We have to be open, have to be honest. We have to have a desire and a passion for his presence, like maybe we never have. We need to be willing to come close. We need to provide space for him to move. I think so many times we're so busy or we're so distracted or, we're, or our schedules are so tight that we don't have any space created for the power of God to move and to just soak in his presence. But let's say that we do provide that space for his presence then once we find his presence, let's linger there just a little bit. Man, we found something that's cleansing and healing and restoring. And then there's a response from us. and Our participation is just being there. But then also let's have some anticipation of what God is going to do, that he will be faithful to do what he said he will do that he'll purify, that he'll cleanse. Allow the blood of Jesus to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Allow him to heal, restore, and deliver, that he would make right those things that we've contaminated, those things we've violated. Allow his presence to just surround you. Allow his goodness to cover you. So what we're going to do, I don't want to take a lot more time, but I want to be intentional with our time. Let it start with you. Just with your eyes closed, say, Lord, I desire to soak in your presence. Just be there. Don't fight to try to earn it because you don't you didn't earn it. <laughs> you can't even deserve it, but you do need to position yourself in soaking proximity this morning. So just individually, just ask God to just come and have his way in your life and then we're gonna we're gonna take times as couples and families but i want you just to personally take a moment and just soak in the presence of god come and do what you want to do Lord, 
invite you just to lift your hands all around this place just as an act of surrender of saying God do what you want to do what only you can do in our lives and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to Lord and I will make room for a husband in the room I want you just to take their hand for a moment if you don't if you're single or you don't just hold on just a minute and just continue to seek the Lord just on your own but as a couple commit to find moments to just soak in the presence of God look your spouse in the eye and say baby we're gonna make time to soak in his presence because we know that in his presence is often what's lacking. I've counseled so many people, and it's not so much the relationship with each other that's not intact. It's the lack of relationship with the Lord that's not intact. And then when that relationship with the Lord grows, it just begins to fix all of the things that are broken and fragmented. So husbands, can you take the lead just for a moment, and I want you to pray over that beautiful bride that God has given you as a treasure, as someone to protect and to hold and to care for, to lay your life down for. But you're her covering. wives if you'll just pray over the man of God that God has given you that God would bless him and lead him and speak to him and that he'd be bold and courageous to lead your family in a way that God demands thing this morning I want us to gather together as families so if you have your kiddos here with you if you can join together as just a family unit now here's what else I want you to do if you're here this morning say well I don't have any family when you come into the family of God you are engrafted into the family of God so I want you family groups to just invite those in around you to come and pray with you I don't want anybody sitting by themselves just invite them into your circle that we would just represent families that would uh, 
just soak in the presence of God. Come on, let's make little circle family groups. Gilbert, pull those three into to you, man. And just begin to pray that God would just begin to release just the saturation of his presence over our homes and over our families, over over our workplaces, over our schools, that all of those places, that there would just be a soaking of his presence. as a family we would just be passionate about more of God in our lives more of you less of me more of you less of me more of you more of you sweet Jesus one more of you more of you less of me more of you less of me
just a moment longer to just pray as families. And then when you guys are done, just join us in just singing this. And, and how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. We declare your greatness this morning. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God And all will see how great How great is our God It's a name above all names Guys, sing that out with us And he's the name above all names And he is worthy of all praise and my heart will sing how great is our God how great and how great is our God sing with me how great is our God all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing that one more time. Lift your voices. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God. Before I release you, um, we do have prayer teams available. If you can go ahead and make your way forward. Um, what I want to do, I, I, I believe that God has touched most of you in the room. But this morning, maybe you're here and you say, I need someone to agree, agree with me in faith over something specific. Uh, because I believe that there is power in, in, in faith agreement, praying with someone. And we just want to give you the opportunity to do that. As I dismiss you, if that's something you want to do, we want to make ourselves available to you just to pray over you and pray with you. But I want you to know that it's moments like this that our life is forever changed. That we never have to go back to being who we once were. But we often have to go back to soaking in his presence, to continually be all that he's called us to be. Amen. So, Father, I bless each one under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would just give them an awesome week full of your presence. Lord, we pray today that if there's there, there there's those still here struggling, God, that, Father, that they wouldn't get in a hurry and they wouldn't leave, but, Father, that they would continue to, to, to dig deep and draw near to you. As, Father, you work that change in their life. Father, as we go from this place, we ask that your presence goes with us. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. And, Father, all that you're going to do. Father, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.